Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that didn't put interest rates up this week, unlike the RBA. Yeah, we might talk about that. But before we do, I should introduce my co-host, my partner in crime, the man who envisaged, designed, created, runs, and is going to be extraordinarily rich because of strawman.com. He is Andrew Page. How are you, mate? It's, it's all about the ka-ching-ching, ching, Scott. It's, you know, the ka-ching-ching. Ching. Is that what the cool me. kids say now? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You are you are the founder and manager director of strawman.com, which is a um a uh what is it? Oh, you almost had it. It's a yeah. it's a private online investment club. <laughs> very good. And as always, I'm very smart, to- good looking investors. <laughs> yes. Yes, the rest of us have to go to motleyfoolfool.com.au or as I say every week, go to both. Why not both? Speaking of the cool kids, that little graphic with little girl saying, Why not both? Uh I, I'm not exactly. cool enough to use gifts on on Twitter. I just ha- I can't make myself do it because I just I'm not that cool. So I just I just I avoid it. But do you love a gift? Love it. Yeah, yeah. Or one GIF, of the gif. Well, this GIF, was the question I was going to. This was the I was about to mm. raise. My my beautiful wife calls it a gif, and I want to correct yep. her. But no one knows for sure. And frankly, she's probably right because she generally is, and I'm generally wrong. It's got to be gif, doesn't it? Can't be gif. Gif would be a J. Sure. I, I go with gif. I go with gif. And I just, I think I, it's the whole. A picture is worth a thousand words. There are sometimes Speaking when used when used deftly, <laughs> you know, a gif, it can just it can just nail the the sentiment. Yes. Um, now, of course, for those who don't know, a gif is one of those video style uh, images you see on social media and around the place. They're not quite full videos, so they're really small, easy to use, uh, but they're kind of moving images. So somewhere between a video and a, and a still image, um, a gif or a gif is the the file extension. You know, you have dot doc for a word document, for example. Dot gif. Uh, is the is the internet uh, online computery? I'm struggling now for my words. Uh, thing. Are you talking uh, the, to the, the are you talking extension. to the people who have been living on on Mars for the last twenty years? Apparently, apparently, I am. Well, well known, not right? everyone not everyone knows what a gif is. So I, I just thought I would share. You know, I don't want to assume people know stuff. And and hide uh, a grandma in, and her friends in the nursing home. <laughs> you're a hard man. You're a hard man. Anyway, <laughs> why not both? As we like to say, mate, it's been a. This, this is from a man who calls it the podcast machine. So I probably I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Be too surprised. <laughs> oh, shots fired very early. Look out, you'll get yours, Paige. You, you just be careful here. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, mate. Hey, there's a reason it's called the podcast machine. That's because it's called the podcast machine, mate. And I will <laughs> cling to that till you pry it out of my cold dead hands. Uh, well, so I am recording this on, a, on an audio recorder, which is, I don't know, it must be 10 years old by now and it's been surpassed by a lot of technology. So to some degree, I'm still living in the past. And some would say that is not unusual for me, mate. I, I probably should have been born 20 or 30 years earlier i love my gadgets i desperately love my gadgets um but get off my lawn if you're listening kids just get the hell off my lawn it's all i've got i've got visit vis- uh, a vision of, of you speaking into one of those old gramophones <laughs> <laughs> while someone cranks a uh, crankshaft with, with those little the tubes in my ear with the, the gramophone kind of you know, yeah, the exactly. megaphone ear thing yes that, that could well be theater of the mind mate for all our listeners yep. know that's exactly what's happening right now um <laughs> Just speaking, speaking of a, a gift for every occasion, uh, you are the master of the Simpsons quote for every occasion. I mean, every time I see someone post something from the Simpsons uh, referencing something like that, Andrew would love that. Andrew, if they, you know, there's, there's people we work with. I, I, we work with a guy at Motley Fool called Andrew Leggett, another Andrew, who has a Disney reference for every single possible occasion <laughs> and, uh, and only, only surpassed by you and your ability to drag a Simpsons quote, image, gif, uh, circumstance episode out to explain almost anything. Uh, that's one of, your, one of your many, many talents, mate, is, is your encyclopedic Simpsons knowledge. <laughs> well, they have they have covered pretty much every topic in the world, so there's there's always something to draw on. They go for. Are they still making new episodes? I think so. I don't I know. know. I kind of dropped know. out, but yeah, I think they are. That's because we get old, mate. That's because we get old. Uh, all right, let's get let's get on with the podcast. We get much older. Uh, we like to think that being old makes us wiser. This is what we like to tell ourselves and our wives. But frankly, it just makes us old. Uh, mate, speaking of old, though, we were, <laughs> there were there were a, a lot of people who don't remember the last time interest rates were raised meaningfully. Uh, it is now, the rates are now at a nine-year high. Um, they're not quite the 17% in 1990s, as people like to mention every time I talk about interest rates, but they are getting higher. The RBA this week increased rates by less than expected 
by 25 basis points, as the cool kids say, or 0.25%, as the rest of us say, uh, rather than half a percent, which was expected, the market had, apparently, if you take the bond market pricing, I'm not going to go into it, but the bond market basically makes a guess, and the, the sum total of all the pricing says it was 80% chance of a half a point rise. The RBA is surprising most uh, by suggesting it should be, or not suggesting, <laughs> deciding it should be only a quarter of a percent. It's a funny, oh, we'll get into the why. Hey, when, when, when you're... Go on. I was just going to say, when you're right 80% of the time, you're wrong 20% of the time, right? <laughs> it's kind yeah, of, yeah. it's interesting because I did see in, in, in the wake of the, in the wake of the uh, surprise, only 25 basis point increase, mm. uh, journalists breathlessly reporting, well, now, there are, now the, the bond market is, is now suggesting this. And it's like, well, you know, it's, it's, it is just a bunch of other people guessing and it is pretty <laughs> often wrong. Yeah, and it was actually right. just wrong just yeah. then. But sure, let's take that as gospel. Yeah. It's, not that, it's not that you don't report it, right? Because you've got to yeah. say, well, yeah. you know, this is this is kind of what we're all guessing it's going to be. But let's yeah. let's stop yeah. treating it as as like established fact. It's gospel. Like it yeah. is. Let's get rid of the lingo and the jargon. It's a guess, and yeah. it's a guess from a bunch of bankers who may or may not be right. They don't have the greatest track record. Not because they're <laughs> idiots. Just it's very hard to do. But let's yeah. let's just. Let's not give it too much credibility because it is it is and it's the same with the RBA when when they've sort of talked about a lot of their mm-hmm. forecasts. Again, yeah, totally just, right. Alan Kohler often puts one up on the news and you mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. that line of where it's been and then all these other lines coming off it, which were the <laughs> forecasts at the time. Yeah. <laughs> just like wrong, 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 wrong. And and again, that's why is why is that? It's no grand conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very, very difficult. But let's, that the, the lesson should be, let's take some of this stuff with a grain of salt. Let's stop referring yep. to this as, as gospel. Yes. Just any but small bugbear of mine. A little bit. Thanks for raising it. The other thing I want to say, actually not to defend these people who make these guesses, because generally speaking, predictions are worth exactly what you paid for them, which is either nothing or you paid a lot of money, they're still worth nothing, so you've overpaid for them. But, uh, but broadly, the other thing about 80% chance is... By definition, then one time in five, you're going to be wrong. And that's the other thing we kind of don't also remember. Probabilities yeah. are probabilities by definition, right? But the weatherman says it's got a 60% chance of raining. And someone says to you, no, it didn't rain. They're wrong again. So, well, they, it was kind of roughly half and half. Yeah. So 60%, that, was, that was the number they gave you. Like that's, that's the idea, right? So the question yeah. isn't so much, were they right each time when they said 80%? It was, are they right four times out of five? If they are, they'll bang on. And again, not, yep. I'm not, not defending the session. You should pay any attention whatsoever to market yep. predictions because they are unknowable by definition. But uh, it's also just, it's to, more, more about statistics than about the market in this case. It's just, you know, we, we do the same when we invest, right? We say to our members, here, is a, here, here are some risks we think might impact the market or the investment or the whatever. And sometimes they come true. <laughs> it's like, well, mm-hmm. do you say it was a risk? Yeah, but if it was 100% chance of it then it's not a risk anymore it's a it's an eventuality you never buy the shares you're saying mm-hmm. here's why I think it could work here's the things that could go wrong hopefully they don't but if they do this is probably what we're looking for or looking at or being mindful of when they come to pass like you know well that's kind of what we thought could happen we didn't think it was going to or that the risk reward was still in our favour but that's that's probable yeah. that's probability right that's probability 101 is sometimes if they play out if, you, if you're accurate with your predictions that's how they, exactly how they play out that's the idea that's the old, the old Peter Lynch. If you're good in this game, you're right six times out of ten. Um, oh, and it's, love it's worth Lynch remembering. Point. And 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 the other thing, the other thing that I think is always worth remembering too is that it's it, let, let's say you think you know I I like investment X mm. um, and I think it'll be worth more in the future and you know mm. I, and I, it's it's from an investment looking through an investment lens you know it's a yes. multi year investment. God help you if that thing's down ten percent the next week. You know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to say, "Oh, you were wrong." It's like, well, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to forecast what things are going to yes, do next exactly. week, right? So, and in fact, a lot of the best investments, I think that just happens all the time. Just natural. It's teasing apart that sort of short-term volatility versus sort of the long-term performance, and, and you you will you will find that as an. And this is one of the most difficult things. You think you do all your due diligence, you make a very sensible, mm-hmm. calculated. Um, guess you know on what something you do you finally pull the trigger and then and if you're me um, the thing just plummets the next day it's just just, it's how the universe works or the reverse this week which we're going to talk in a minute where I thought I forgot to buy some shares and this week I was like oh man I was going to I didn't get around to it shares were up I was like bloody hell uh, yeah, yep. uh, yeah, you, you and I. Yep. Uh, uh, that's, I mean, we, we think we're the unluckiest blokes in the world. That's also the reality, though. I mean, that's availability biases. We pay attention to those things, right? We don't. We don't yes. remember the ones that we bought. And they went flat. The bought went up a little bit. But remember the one or two we bought and go down. So, oh, bloody hell, it happened again. That always happens. Um, there's a yep. whole lot of psychology going on there too. 
I mean, look, if you if you if you buy something at a dollar and in five years' time it's worth two dollars, I mean, really, yeah. who cares what the That's journey the is along exactly. the way? Even exactly. if it gets to twenty cents at some point, I mean, yes, it's very easy to yeah. say, but it, it is actually far more common than than you think, and you just you've got to you've got to account yep. for that natural yep. variability. Do you know what's funny too, mate? Um, I heard during the week. I never heard. God love our listeners. Someone gave me credit for a quote that I actually, or an analogy that I don't think I've ever heard, or, or if I have heard, I'd forgotten about. Um, that I think it was you that gave it to me. Thanks. My favorite. I was like, ah, oh, thanks, but it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> you know, we were talking about the, the dog, right? You follow the dog rather the person walking the dog. I, I like that one. Oh, yes. The one I heard yeah, during excellent. the week, I probably have heard it before, I guess, but I, I really, really can't place it, was um, a child walking up the stairs playing with a yo yo. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That's great. So the yo-yo kind of That's goes great. up and down, up and down, up and down, but over time it goes up the stairs. Like it kind of, I don't really like that. I think it's, you know, it, it, the it, the advantage it has over the man with the dog is that you've got the upward motion going. Looking at it from the side, you've got exactly the what, yeah. what would look like a share price chart, right? Yo-yo goes up and down, up and down, up and down, but... I don't want to say higher highs and higher lows because that's kind of that trading trading terminology I don't love. But it is kind of that, right? That idea of the yo-yo goes up and down. As you walk up the stairs, you finish much higher than you started, even if it's been up and down, up and down on the way through. It's uh, The market is the yo-yo. We should be concentrating on the girl. Yeah, and that's right. That's the, the fundamentals, really. Like the, the business continues mm-hmm. to do its thing, continues to generate a certain amount of cash flows. And uh, yeah, the share price goes everywhere in between the yo-yo. Just, yeah, if, you, if you're really trying to figure out where that yo-yo is going to end up, you know, watch mm. the child, right? They're walking up the stairs. It's it's going it's going up eventually. Mm. <laughs> the string is only so long on that thing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Can I um can I show you? Yeah, sometimes the string's a bit longer, by the way, in the markets, but it's a, it's a nice analogy anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a great conversation this week on the Good Oil podcast. Just a shameless plug, but because it's I wasn't going to mention it, but um it kind of came up. Love a bit um, of cross promotion. Yeah, totally. Hey, <laughs> why not? Um, why not? Matthew Professor Matthew Brown is a professor of psychology at the University of Central Queensland, based in Bundaberg. Oh, cool. Um, he is on Twitter as Arthur C. Dent, uh, one of my favourite Twitter. And that's how we kind of... I, I find so many of our guests these days from, from Twitter because just people I kind of chat, just chat with back and forth was like, you know what, I'm really going to get you on the podcast. Um, mm. Fascinating conversation. A nice uh, Douglas Adams reference. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So he... Uh, he that's right. He um, is a professor of psychology, focusing on gambling, funnily enough. But we had a really fascinating conversation about gambling, about investing, um, about gurus or, or self-proclaimed gurus. You would love it, mate. Have a listen. You will, you will, you'll, you'll find, I'm he does a podcast called Decoding the Gurus, which is, uh, you'll, you'll think, what's well, one of your favorite new podcasts. All those would-be okay. online social on media it. gurus, you know, the, you know, the usual suspects. Um, mm. They kind of break it all down. It's, it's fascinating. So anyway, really great conversation, only because you're talking about probabilities and that kind of stuff and and wins and losses and what to expect over time and that kind of thing. If you if you like that kind of discussion, hopefully you've enjoyed it as we've chatted out so far today, um, you will, I really think, enjoy the, the podcast. So yeah, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. The Good Oil with Scott Phillips is the name of the podcast. Um, but the, the episode just re- literally came out yesterday, uh, Tuesday. Uh, so check that out. Really, really great episode. You will you will love it. So there you go. Nice one. Um, mate, uh, let's get back to... Have we get, well, should we start? Get back to the RBA. We started with the RBA. We did. Almost. Point. Rates went up by 25 basis points to 2.6%. Um, that's still 2.5 percentage points in six months. I think we're well, six monthly meetings, right? So in terms of actual total days, it's probably five months and two or three days. Um, that's very, very fast. It's a lot. And I think I've said before, I think you've said before, I think the RBA started way too late. So to some degree, they are playing really fast catch up here. Um, but they're also trying to work out that fine, fine, fine line, the really thin tightrope between, on one hand, persistent inflation, and on the other hand, uh, economic damage, uh, whether it's a recession or not, or just, or just unnecessary decline. They are trying to find the right point between those two areas. They, they have two choices, neither of which is a good choice. They, they either have inflation or interest rates. There's no, there's no door three. There's no, but what about where the good outcome? Which, which one's the good outcome door? It's like, no, 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 no. You don't get that choice. You, you've had a couple of years, guys, where you've been able to just drop rates and things have been okay. Guess what? This time around, you've got two bad choices. You're going to have to make a, a decision here about which way you want to go. The market, as you said, was expecting half a percent. They went a quarter. I'm going to start, mate, by just asking you what you think, or if, let, let's say they'd made you go, let's say Phil O'Call and sick. Andrew, Andrew, Phil's crook. You got to come and, you got to come and chair the RBA board today. All right, I guess if I have to, I will. So you walk into Martin Place, you sit down at the table, you get all the advice around the table, and you say, thanks, guys, we are going to do X. What would you have done had you been in Phil Lowe's chair on Tuesday? Oh, man. I probably would have gone half a percent, if not higher. Um, Ooh, higher. But I take a step back. 
Okay. Because there's, there's a great movie, I know you've seen it, it's called Usual Suspects. <laughs> yes. And there's a great line in it saying, the greatest trick the world ever pulled. The, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> I think the greatest trick the RBA has ever pulled is convincing the world of its, of its importance. Oh, okay. I know that is a very, very uh, contentious yes, take. It is. Um, Controversial. But huh? I just, I, I, had, I had to tweet out something after the announcement. It's just sort of like, you know, the, the, this high, high priest of finance unelected officials get round and then, you know, pass down their judgment from the mount. And I just, I find it, I find it really bizarre, frankly, mm-hmm. because at the end of it, it, it used to be, um, actually, we never used to have central banks, if you can go back far enough. They're actually, not, yeah. I'm not talking about going back to the Stone Age here. Um, that's a whole other, mm-hmm. other story mm-hmm. here. But I, I think government has abdicated a huge amount of responsibility. And we've talked about it before, but that you, it is such a blunt, tool as you mm, say mm, mm. so they've they've got to they've got to try and tame inflation mm. so you put interest rates up but that, that increases borrowing costs for everyone and everything and it's just really unevenly felt and so it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's i find it madness frankly mm. and that we all sit around and it's breathlessly reported the second it happens and carson scott's jumping up and down and martin place like he's calling the melbourne cup or you know it's just it's madness. It's Those absolute insanity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, I really can't wrap my head around. Is, is it, is it, mm-hmm. is it, it's not, not unimportant and it's yeah. certainly newsworthy, but the, the, the spectacle that it's become just boggles mm-hmm. my mind. I think if, 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 if aliens came down and sort of saw what was going on, it would be like us going to the ancient Inca empire <laughs> and watching some of the, some of the priests sort of make these decrees from out on, up on high. It's like, what? You know, and and think and, and uh, so I, anyway. Look, that's that's a whole other thing. But I think, I think the um, thing that we tend to forget is that interest rates are ultimately a something that emerges from the interaction between savers and those who would who would take those savings to invest. And that, yep. that happens on the bond market, yep. and it's a it's an act of of. Um, What's the word for it? Like we we both mutually enter into it. I've got some excess <laughs> savings. Yeah. You want to invest it. Yeah. All right, I'll lend it to you. How much? Now I might look at you and go, you're a pretty trustworthy guy. You're a pretty good business person. Makes sense what you're going to do with it. I'm, I'm happy to lend it to you at a low rate. That, that's mm-hmm. how interest rates are set. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the RBA is tinkering at the edges here. I think we, we massively underestimate how significant the global bond market is in determining interest rates. They det- to, to use the parlance, they, 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 they really impact the long end of the curve and the RBA can fiddle around at, at the beginning. So let's say that the RBA does, like, let's say, let's say crazy. Let's say that, that, that Lowe came out and said, actually, we're cutting it to zero. Mm. Now, <laughs> once the dust settles and everyone picks themselves up the floor, off, off the floor, mm. does that really change where these giant international savings pools are going to be lending money? I mean, what's happened in the world recently with, with, um, over in England, um, uh, just bond markets in general. Mm, mm, mm. Pe- bonds prices are falling pretty rapidly, by the way, and, and, and that's the inverse of what's happening with interest rates because people are rightly looking at things and going, oh, it's a riskier environment out there. I want, I want more compensation for the risk I'm taking. The RBA can do what it likes, you know, it just, mm, it's, mm. and it, it, it impacts the overnight cash rate that banks lend to each other at. That's, that's important. Anyway, I feel I feel as though I'm the I'm taking crazy pills here. It's sort of like, <laughs> it, it, and I actually said to you, I went I went through the CBA's most mm, recent mm. balance sheet to look yeah. at it, and very roughly, very very roughly, they've got a billion dollars in, in a trillion dollars in funding sources, mm. and uh, over three quarters of that is from deposits. Now the deposit rate they set is is up to them. It's a commercial rate. They decide what they want to give. You you, you yeah. look around, and I can put my money with CBA, with Westpac, with ANZ, with whoever, and that's a rate that they determine. Now, is it influenced by the cash rate? Yes. But now you've got a quarter of their funding, which a lot of that is, is, is bond markets. There's something from a term funding facility from the RBA, which is an emergency lending response to COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually not a, like a massive amount that, that, is, that is directly impacted by the cash rate, mm. right? <laughs> yeah. And yet the second it goes up a quarter of a percent, the banks are, oh, we've got to increase our lending rates by a quarter of a percent. It's an, and, and, and as we sort of said off air, when rates are falling, banks rightly, and I'm going to defend them here, rightly often don't pass on the full around because they say, well, not all of our funding is impacted by this. Yeah. And that hasn't changed. 
There's a buck like, By the way, the Aussie dollar's fallen. We're borrowing a lot of money <laughs> yeah, in US exactly. dollars, et cetera, et cetera. And people kick and scream, but, 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 but the RBA's lowered rates. You should pass on the full amount. No, no, no. It's only a, it's only a small part of our funding. And yet, when it flick, when it goes up, it's like, oh, oh well. <laughs> um, and it's this, it, I don't know. Is, is it just me? Like, how come no one calls BS on this? It, it seems to me it's sort of like the craziest, craziest thing in the world. And anyway, after that rant, I would, <laughs> if it was me, as a, in, a, in a fully capitalist system, market-based, uh, my central planning hat on, um, mm-hmm. I, would, I probably would have put interest rates up more because you're, you're, in a, you're, in, you're in between a rock and a hard place here. It's not a question of whether the, the economy is, is in for a bit of a rough time. I think it mm-hmm. probably is for a yep. variety of reasons. Yep, yep. So you can, um, uh, and you've got this, this big inflation problem. Inflation is, is, is you know, it's, it's a tax. Uh, let's, let's use the, the real term. It's, just, it's absolutely reducing your savings and your purchasing power. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a mm-hmm. horrible, horrible thing. And you got to, and it's really high. It's like ridiculously high, mm-hmm. as high as it's been in a long, 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 like 30 years or something. So, so, so do what you can to, to, to stop that. Um, if you don't, oh, so, so that's why interest rates need to be up higher. I would say yeah. if you don't, you can, then you, then it's a question of, well, We'll deal with inflation, um, but we'll we'll keep the party going for a little bit longer, which risks further inflating asset bubbles. I mean, what happened? What happened on the share market the moment that that announcement was put out? Yeah. It jumped up. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, Bitcoin jumped up. You know, it's crazy. All this, everyone jumped. Hey, risk on, as, as, as the term as, as <laughs> it would be. It's like, what about inflation? I oh, don't worry about that. We'll grow our way out of it. And it, 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 it seems to me mm. as though... If you're fairly wealthy, well, you can handle inflation much better, and you'd much prefer to have, you know, your assets going up in value. That mm. certainly helps. Uh, God help you if you're not, if you're not, <laughs> if you don't have assets there, because you don't get any of the benefit of those lower than otherwise interest rates, and you get the full impact, the full brunt of of this horrible thing called inflation. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it was the wrong move. <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, Andrew. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. Look, I think I think so. I will I will pass on most of the first half of what you said, not because the conversation gets very deep very quickly. Um, it does. The I, I think it is true. I think it's true. You may even disagree. That for all of that being said, the role of interest rates domestically are very much about the amount of money in the economy and the price of assets. And so, higher mm. rates take more money out of mortgage payers' pockets and mean less money is spent in the economy. Uh, hopefully, that, that fixes inflation. That's the aim anyway. And asset prices, as you've already mentioned, um, you know, we, we know the house prices flew up during 2021 as, as rates were cut. They're coming down again now as rates are going back up again. That, again, is what the, the, the math, the, the theory says should reasonably happen. Uh, Mark's not always efficient. Theory's not always right. But generally speaking, those two things tend to be true. More money in the economy, more spending, more economic activity, more pressure on prices, less money, the reverse happens, and higher rates mean lower asset prices, all things being equal. Lower rates mean higher asset prices, all things being equal for reasons that we've talked about a little bit before and we don't need to go into now. So there's all those things going on. And I think that's reasonably true to whatever limited extent might be available because of the globalized economy. We also need to recognize that. And it's also why central banks around the world have largely been increasing at the same time together because they're all trying to have this global global impact. I'm not sure there's much coordination, by the way, but I think all doing it means that the global issues are being dealt with to some degree. So I think those things are, mm. are, are true in my view. What I think is my... Um, if I think about how I would break down what they've done i agree with you i would have gone high higher rather than lower i wouldn't have gone three quarters at this point in the cycle i probably done it earlier by the way to get up to a reasonable rate more quickly because here's the thing and again we have to assume well we don't have to assume anything i'm going to assume the rba is roughly right in the terms of the way it thinks about monetary policy in other words interest rates and they have already said and said months ago neutral is between two and three percent now if that's neutral means we're neither stimulating nor What's the what's the what's anti-stimulating, uh, retarding, economic depressing? Growth. Yeah, um, not not in a negative sense, just in just in the old downward pressure thing that politicians like to talk about. Stimulating is adding stimulus, uh, removing money from the system when you go past neutral, uh, depressing, contracting, whatever you want to call it. They say neutral when they neither are in, in, you know, driving the economy nor pulling it back is two to three percent. And if that was true at zero point one, they were miles away from neutral. I think they took they took too long to start raising rates, as we said before, and 
they didn't go hard enough at the time. When they're now at two point, well, there was 2.35%, I would have gone half. I would have gone to three as quickly as possible because, again, following their, their theory through, if two to three is neutral and they want to slow economic activity to reduce inflation, you have to go past neutral, past that two to 3% range to actually have that impact. And again, assuming that's right, they may have changed their mind, by the way, and you're probably different now. But I think, that's, I think that their, their approach is roughly right. And so I think you want to get there quickly. Um, they've done so much to get from 0.1 to 2.35, which it was before Tuesday. I would have similarly, um, I would have kept at half a percent until they got to maybe three. That's probably what I would have done. You don't want to scare the horses necessarily. You don't, you don't want to shock the economy into stasis or into some sort of negative whatever, whatever. But you don't want to get there as quickly as you reasonably can. I think increasing the rate of increase or, or you know quickening the pace of increase would have scared a lot of people and i think you want to be careful you want to you want to warn them you don't want to necessarily scare them because that has adverse impact so it, with psychology front of mind i would have absolutely gone half a percent and the next one i would have gone half percent as well and that's mm. what it would have stopped and so i would have had you know 3.35 by christmas not because i want mortgage payers to pay more money by the way on mortgages not about that as, as we've said, it's about inflation or rates. Here's the thing about inflation, right? It never goes back down again. Interest rates never, mm. never, well, I mean, inflation does fall inside. Oil, sure, coal, sure. It's not, you know, fruit and veg goes up and down. But broad national inflation at large never goes backwards. In fact, you don't want it to for reasons that we've talked about before. So, you know, once prices go up, they stay up for effectively forever. It's a permanent impact to standard living. Interest rates go up a bit, get inflation under control, they always come back down again. And so, the, you know, given the choice of permanent inflation over here, or on the other hand, um, you know, temporary rate increase, it seems like a really, really easy decision for me. Even if they go a little bit too far accidentally, that's still far, far better than going not quite far enough accidentally and locking in that inflation another year or two. Another 8% inflation, that means $1.12 of the things you used to buy, you can no longer buy. Pick, pick which dollar you're not going to spend. Every $12 you spend now, you take a dollar away. Now you can't get rid of mortgages. You've got to pay that. You've got to pay your rent. You've got to pay the you know, the car, the petrol, whatever. It, th- those things are really detrimental. That's the thing I think is is dangerous for um, you know for, for those who are saying, well, it might hurt the economy. It might cause a recession. It might cause unemployment. Yeah, it might absolutely might do those things. But those are reversible. Inflation is almost always irreversible, and that's why it's so pernicious. I think you make a lot of sense. Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> but I, I guess I guess what's interesting is that we could um, go out and we could get the 100 smartest, most well-credentialed economists in the country who yeah. have spent all day every day for the last 20 years following this stuff closely, yeah. written papers, well-respected, and we'd have 100 different views. <laughs> mm, that's and true. that's kind of what's crazy about it. Um, yeah. it you yeah. know, I... I I just feel as though at the end of the day, a relying on a person and a group of people in, in case of the RBA board, again, mm, incredibly mm, smart mm. people, well-intentioned people. No, I'm not having a go at them in any way, shape or form, but they are, they are tasked with the impossible. Yeah. Tell me what the appropriate cost of borrowing is in a highly complex dynamic system Yes. That, is, that is changing rapidly, that has 4,000 different variables acting on it. Yeah. And that yeah. any time you, you touch one thing, 100 other things change. I mean, <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. It yeah. is impossible. Which is so, kind of why they don't just pick a number. They don't say, okay, rate's going to go from 0.1 to 3.3 now. Mm. They kind of, in theory at least, try and ratchet up slowly and find a point at which they see that circumstances appear to be changing, correlation, yeah. causation, et cetera. But yeah. that's kind of why they do it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, they do. I guess I, I mean, this is where it gets very deep, and you start, mm-hmm. you start wading into the realm of economic philosophy, and, <laughs> and that, that's a debate that's been going yeah, for a hundred yeah, years plus. Yeah. So, so we're not going to resolve it now. But I True. would say this is what markets are so good at. So when we say mm-hmm. what's the what's the proper price for an orange, no one out there, I don't think, not, not many people, maybe some on the fringe, would say that mm-hmm. we should have a central department of oranges. And an orange is this. And you know what? We've actually tried that experiment in places like Russia. <laughs> it doesn't end well. It doesn't work well for orange production. <laughs> yeah. So we have the Adam Smith invisible yeah. hand yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that helps us find a really accurate price yeah. through just the individual uh, actions of people. And I, yeah. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but I, I kind of think that's how interest rates should be determined between a consensual mutual economic arrangement mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. To free thinking people and and the bank. This is where banks used to work, right? Banks banks yeah. would say, "I've got yeah. some money. 
Um, I would say, actually, can you look after it for me? Because I'm really not comfortable walking around or having this under my bed, <laughs> lest robbers come and take yeah, all my money. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will I will actually love it if you look after it. Like actually, not only we will look mm-hmm. after it, we'll pay you some interest. Yeah. Because what we'll do is then we'll go give it to these people over here. Yeah. And we'll charge them a higher rate of interest and we'll take a net interest margin. And if we do our job sensibly, we'll stay in business for a long time. We'll attract more money and we'll, we'll make more money. And we'll actually help transfer money from savers to investors and the whole economy will grow. And it's a wonderful mm, thing. Mm, mm. Every now and again, we'll do something stupid and the whole thing will blow up. <laughs> and hence the introduction of central banks, right? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, right? You kind of say, maybe everything should be consensual. Maybe you shouldn't have reserve banks. Like the whole idea of central banks came about because for all of the hope and, and you know, the, I'll throw my Yogi Bear you know, line again that in theory, there's no difference in theory and practice, but in practice there is like central yeah. banks were invented specifically because they couldn't be trusted to actually do it properly. That was the very the very problem of bank runs and economic, you know, the swing, yes. uh, the depression of the 1890s is kind of forgotten about because of the Great Depression in 1930 or 2932. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so part of that was just like, this was so dramatically horrible. They kind of went, Oh man, we've got to solve that. Like we, we can't let that happen again. We got to we got yeah. to find a solution. Yeah. And maybe the central banks are the wrong solution, or just an imperfect solution, or maybe there's, there's whole reasons why. You know, I I I am a, I think it's one of those uh, Churchillian worst except for everything else we've tried scenarios. Or, you know, I'm not certain it's perfect. I'm not certain it's the best you could have. I'm pretty sure net net they're a net benefit. But I take I take your broader point about. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing against central banks for the record, but I'm, I'm just sort of saying that they they initially sprang up to help reduce systemic risk and yep. just to sort of if one bank is weak, then we'll support that and and others will chip in yep. and we'll all sort of even out in the end. I'm yep. very much yep. glossing over huge detail here, but <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> hundred years of, of development of central bank policy, sure, yeah, yeah. But 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 it's do you see yeah. how it sort of morphed into actually yeah. we yeah we kind of do that, but actually now what we're doing is we're setting interest rates for the whole economy. That's the part yeah. that I yeah. I I think has has. And it's been it's been the frog in the in the boiling pot. Mm-hmm. It's happened so gradually over so many decades that we've lost sight of the central function. Now, I would yeah, say, let's yeah. say that the CBA to pick on them does a whole bunch of stupid stuff. I don't know, yep. lending ridiculous amounts of money to people who can't afford it to buy overinflated housing. Just saying, <laughs> just say hypothetically. <laughs> let's say That's that they roll do- off the tongue way too quickly, mate. Just quietly. <laughs> Well, seventy percent of their lending is to houses. Twenty eight percent of that is is uh, to investors. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's, they're doing that. By the way, as, I, as we've said before, the, the they only have to lose. They only have to see ten percent of their their entire loan book go bad, and they're insolvent. Anyway, yes, correct, correct. anyway, um, you know, let's say that they did that and they got themselves into trouble. Um, so maybe there's there is a cause there to ensure that depositors are looked after because we I mean there's, there's huge ramifications for letting that whole thing collapse but we don't even do that actually we don't bail out the depositors we bail out the institution that took all the risk and this is the lesson from from the GFC which we've actually had many times in history but every mm-hmm. generation forgets it and we've already forgotten it and it's not even like oh, totally. you know it's like 15 years ago and we forget Mate, it is, we're already this- we're already rolling back the royal commission changes I, f- 5 years is about our, our maximum political and economic memory we just we it's, can't do more than that it's moral two words moral yeah. hazard now if yeah. i if you put me in charge of of one of the major banks what would i do yes. i would do exactly the same why not yeah. look at my favorite term asymmetry so we either <laughs> we continue to, to play the party and great we, we make a whole i make huge bonuses huge pay uh the bank and shareholders are super happy as as the merry dance goes on mm-hmm. if and I'm not saying when or it will or whatever, but if anything ever goes wrong, and by yeah. the way, these are highly leveraged institutions by by structure, just the way that they're built. As I said, 10% fall in their loan book, they're insolvent. And that, look up the balance sheet. I'm not making this up. It sounds you, you tell people that and they think you're wearing a tin, tinfoil hat. It's true, <laughs> right? It's absolutely true. Well, um, you wear a tinfoil hat or that you're right? Yeah, well, a bit, bit of both, a bit of both. <laughs> But 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 what happens? Yeah. Where, what's what's my downside? People might get angry. Maybe some journos write some bad press about me. Maybe I get shown the door. I don't go to jail. I don't. I don't. No one takes any money off me. You know, mm-hmm. I might lose. You know, at least I say I might lose my job. That's you know, it sucks. But uh, you know, I, I've you've had, got a few million dollars a year for the for the previous five years. You're probably okay. I'm okay, right? Yeah. And yeah. and there that is that is a very powerful set of incentives to do exactly the wrong thing. So I just. Yeah. I just come I back to my initial point here is I, I hear what you're saying on interest rates. I told you what I would do. A hundred yeah. other economists will tell you what they would do. But I, I actually reject the entire premise that anyone, no matter how well-intentioned or well-credentialed or intelligent otherwise, should be sitting there setting an interest rate policy for the entire country. Mm. 
the, the foundations of our economic system, it just seems a little mad to me. And, and I, that puts me way out in fringe territory, but there it is. I've said it. It does, it does. <laughs> and, I, and I fundamentally disagree in the sense that... Uh, I think monetary policy as it exists is a Keynesian tool, um, Keynesian economics being the way governments run a, a deficit uh, in the bad times to kind of stimulate the economy and run a surplus in the good times to kind of make back some of that money and, and kind of slow down the growth. Monetary policy is a form of Keynesian uh, stimulus and, and de-stimulus, there's got to be a better word than that, uh, used for the same thing. And to some degree, where the fact it does tend to work. You know what's interesting, mate? I think I actually don't agree with your broad premise of what should the price of money be. Mm. A, a, the X is unknowable, and I actually don't have any problem saying, you know what, you're probably you're probably right. There is no easy way to do that. But I think sometimes, to, to my mind at least, the imperfect but pragmatic solution is a little bit more, a little bit less than now does matter. Mm. And it does have the impact of stimulating a slowing economy or taking heat out of, a, out of an overheating economy. And to mm. the extent that good fiscal policy and good monetary policy, and let's assume that those things are, are probable but not always going to be the case, and they can get it wrong for good reasons or ill, uh, like governments over the past 10 or 15 years, um, you know, it ca- can actually help avoid uh, massive economic, and I say, I'll say economic pain, but I really actually mean social pain. Mm. Um, it can minimise unemployment. It can minimise, uh, you know, economic business failures and that kind of stuff because of the the great swings of, uh, of you know, again, the 1890s de- depression, the 1990, well, 1929 depression, uh, de- recession since. Uh, you know, I think it, to, the, to whatever extent, and maybe you have an entirely different view, but to whatever extent the US central banks in particular did well during, or central bank, did well during the GFC, for example, um, going for stimulus rather than austerity, which the, the, the uh, cross-Atlantic banks in the UK and Europe did, uh, really saved much of the worst of the pain. Now, you know, are there, are there costs to that? Yes. Are there other sides to that story in terms of did they get to a bad place because of excessive central bank liquidity? Probably. And again, I'm not suggesting it's not... not uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not defending the status quo and saying it's perfect, stop arguing about it. I think it's less imperfect than what we had before that and I would happily take it rather than something else with its imperfections and, and failures. Uh, I don't think they necessarily of themselves make the case for no role for the central bank. Mm. Um, I think they just remind us that they are, as you say, imperfect people who happen to be through dint of circumstance luck, whatever, in, in certain chairs that other people might be in a different circumstance who might do different things. That's yeah, probably I, my, my broad yeah. take. I, I guess I just think we, we task them with an impossible role. I, I would yes, very exactly. much put it in the hands of, of government and fiscal policy. So when we... So the, 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 the coronavirus uh, pandemic mm, was an mm, uh, mm. interesting case in point. Yeah. We had this huge uh, monetary policy response, emergency mm, funding mm. facilities and all kinds of things, lowering of interest rates, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the beauty of fiscal policy is it's so much better targeted, right? Yeah, I agree with that too. So what you can do is, uh, so to your point, the Keynesian point, times yeah. are good. Hey, lots of tax revenue. Let's let's tuck that under the mattress because, you know, maybe, possibly, there'll be some <laughs> tough times ahead. Oh, tough times are ahead. Okay, yeah. let's help out the people that need that help. When I lift or lower mm-hmm. interest rates, I affect everyone, we, you know, Regardless of whether you're doing it tough, or regardless yeah, of whether right. you're not doing it tough, it has all, it's it's such a it's such an insanely blunt tool. Yep. Now politicians love it because they can say, "Oh, well, look, look at Philip Lowe. <laughs> Their fault. Oh, That's the, right. the yeah. RBA should do that. We strongly Let's encourage have an that they do that. They, yeah, hey, yeah. Shut them. You should do something, <laughs> and you can do something, and you can do something exactly. far, far, far more. Yep. You know, um, targeted and effective. And yep. and it's just it's too politically convenient." Not to go down that route. Anyway, we're not going to solve this the mid, now. <laughs> the midpoint, by the way, is that had they done more, the RBA would have to do less. Even, even you know, regardless of, of we're, we're in different position on the role of the RBA or the or the, the worth or otherwise of it. But if there were, if there was more reasonable fiscal responses, then yeah. monetary policy would have to do less anyway in, yep. in either direction, which would make me happier and you happier because yep. you're saying they should butt out. I'm saying there's a role, but but you know, overplaying it. I agree with your blunt instrument yeah. critique, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think there's more role there. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, let's, let's try and get back to... Uh, I'm going to ask us to both put our ideology away for a second um, because the RBA is the RBA. We're not going to change the financial system tomorrow, although no. if, you have, if you have your <laughs> way, not. maybe. We're maybe. really not. <laughs> if, you, if you get that chance to take Phil Lowe's seat, maybe you'll just ban the whole thing and walk away. But until that time, they went a quarter of a point. They could have gone half, or as you say, three quarters, really. Yeah. Um, 
give me the give me the rationale. Explain to me again. Put put your own ideology aside for half a second for me. Why would the RBA have gone a quarter rather than a half? What what justified? What would justify that decision from their perspective? Uh, the real reason or the stated reason? Oh dear! <laughs> Welcome to Conspiracy Corner with Andrew. Pa- no, well, I, the, the real both, reason. The both. real reason is because they they absolutely wipe out the property sector. Right. That's the reason. Right. We have. And I'm not making these numbers up. It's just very, very highly levered um, property market, and mm-hmm. and you collapse that, you collapse the entire economy. So the so wealth seventy percent larger. You're talking about things like construction jobs and that kind of stuff. Where, where's that? All, 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 and everything. So, right, so okay. think, so think about it. You, you, you basically you crush household spending because mm-hmm. you you're just doing everything you can to to service your mortgage. Um, uh, you you have yeah. um, you have less building construction. You have because mm-hmm. uh, you know that that re- that requires a lot of borrowed money to do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You have some people on the fringes who are forced to sort of sell their house because they have no other option, which kind of has sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy on things. It's sort of there's a snowballing effect that gets there, and then you know no one really sells until they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it gets to a point where it's like the banks are sort of like, well, how many provisions do we need to sort of put on here? At what point do we call it all due? Mm-hmm. It just it has such a significant impact. Meanwhile, interest rates are going up quite a bit as well, and we know what that does to the share market. Share market's down about ten percent. Nothing really in the grand scheme of things. But in the US, you know, they are firmly in bear market territory, very much so in in that. And so. That, that's got uh, associated wealth effect. No one's borrowing any money because they're terrified that interest rates are going to go up even further. Mm. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's this, it's this, mm-hmm. uh, the word that, the, the phrase that gets used is contagion and it's a very yeah. apt word because it is so interrelated. And so it's the whole butterfly flapping its wings in the Brazilian rainforest causes a storm on the other side of the world. You, you sort of, you, you, if the RBA was to go too hard, that, that's the risk that they face. In no uncertain terms. And so the question is, is like, do we just take it on the chin with a bit of extra inflation? <laughs> and your definition of a bit might be, might be different to others, but you know, a bit of extra inflation. As you yeah. say, it's ab- absolutely robbing all, robbing all of us. Um, and some, some people to far greater degrees. And I, I would say the people at, at the lower end of the economic spectrum bear mm. the brunt much harder than everyone else. And that's, that's a whole other, mm. other issue. But that's mm. it. Um, or, or we just we, we crush, crush the uh, economy at large. It's, it's a bad it's, it, it's a bad situation e- either or it's a question and I, I would yeah. say if I if I had lots of assets and mm. I was very wealthy I'll take mm. the I'll take the higher interest rates oh sorry the higher inflation thanks very much mm. I don't know what you would take, but that's what I would take. Do, do you want my entire property and, and investment portfolio to absolutely oh, no. crash? Yeah, well, that's well. Here's that, <laughs> and, have, the thing. and then have a little bit of lower inflation. Mm. See, oh, the, the challenge I think, though, so I, I agree with your broad perspective. Um, <clears throat> the challenge I think is they must believe they are close to having the impact they're trying to have on inflation. Mm-hmm. Because the property market doesn't collapse unless those things happen, right? Unless there isn't enough money to pay repayments, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it has downward pressure on prices, the market itself doesn't doesn't necessarily go into free fall until there is indiscriminate selling, or yep. you know, if you unless you want to sell, you don't sell. You know, if if, if I have a million dollar house and you're offering me eight hundred grand for it, instead I'm saying, well, no, thank you, I'll stay where I am. Unless yeah, I'm who cares? You're, you're still sell. getting utility, right? right? You're still, exactly. you're still living exactly. there. If you can afford it, why not? That's perfect. So the, yeah. so the housing market only really collapses where there is, I think anyway, in my view, where there, where there is a situation where disposable income falls so far that people can't make those repayments. Mm. And I think yeah. that's, that's, that seems to be the view. I, I find it hard. So I'll, I'll give the other thought other for a sec. Why I would go th- half a percent rather than a quarter, and it's not my call, obviously, is that retail sales are still really, really strong. Unemployment still really, really low. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be plenty of people out there in shops and restaurants and whatever, um, anecdotally and otherwise. The RBA has been raising rates for six months and it doesn't seem to have really dented much spending. In fact, any spending. Because August not only was up half of 0.64% to record levels. Record levels. Mm. So the RBA is raising rates furiously and the rest of us are saying, eh, whatever. Can I sure, just, dude, just whatever. One, one quick Go comment it, on that? I forget the, I forget the exact stats here but but most mm. of those raises haven't rises have not fo- flowed through to to most people yet um so there is there is a there is an inherent lag in that yes 
and that's so that and so yeah so i'm going i'm going the so way maybe that's why they paused as well not paused, right well, well, was, yeah exactly so the way half percent would be i in my mind there is way too much you know if retail sales had if the pace had decreased oh, and by the way inflation for august still 6.8 percent after being seven percent in july so you look at that and go that doesn't seem to, at all a reason to do that now i will say um so that that's the why half percent if i was the rba and if i believed i need to go a quarter it'd be a couple of things one is as you say they and they've said they haven't seen the full effect impact hit borrowers yet i think most of it has quite honestly but most the whole lot hasn't so that's fair the other thing i think is we know the national savings rate has been falling quite precipitously it was 20 percent at the end of the covid uh, I'll call it the COVID recession. I don't want to call it the end of the pandemic because that's, you know, we're still in it to some degree, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, it's been coming down. It was 13%, then it was 11%. I think, to be honest, some of our higher mortgage payments are being masked. I say we, I'm talking about the general, the whole population. There are mm. individual people out there doing stupidly tough already. Others out there who you could double their rates and still have enough money to pay the house, right? So it, it depends on who you are and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me that we're sort of in that in-between period where probably the, the cuts to, or sorry, the increase to rates are being masked by people using their savings to keep spending going, to keep the carousel going, just another month, just another month, just another month. And if on the RBA, I'm saying, well, on that trajectory, at some point we run out of savings. And at that point, they have to, people have to start funding out of their income and that's when it hurts. And if I was the RBA, I think that would be the one I'd be most mindful of. I agree with your point about asset price. I don't think they're super worried about, I shouldn't be super worried about that just yet, but I could absolutely understand that might be you know, worth yeah. thinking about. The, the, the other thing is as well, and I, I'm sure they're, they're well aware of this, is that they, they even if they do nothing, as we said at the, right at the beginning here, funding rates are going up either way. So just, yes. just yeah. to brace people for this, because they just there's not enough deposits in banks to meet all their lending requirements. Again, look at the balance sheets. Mm. It's all there. Mm. It's all publicly available information. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And they make up the difference. Yep. A big part of the difference by going overseas to the big capital market. We are such a tiny nothing economy mm. in the grand scheme of sometimes we love to overstate our importance. I'll tell you, two percent of the world's it, equity markets. We're probably small that I guess is a share of the population, yeah, a share of the we, GDP, yeah. Yep. I mean, hey, I'm I'm a very proud Australian. We punch above <laughs> our weight. I wouldn't live anywhere yep. else in the world. However, mm. the big the big capital markets are overseas. And so we go over to Wall Street and Europe. And we say, can we have some money? And we do that by by the banks issuing bonds. So the CBA has pearls. There's all kinds yeah, of different yeah. instruments that are, that are out there. Um, now, 30% of the, the bonds that they have are due for renewal in the next mm. 12 months. Mm, mm. Uh, they're going to be paying. When they roll those over, they're going to be paying a much higher interest rate. And then they've got the other 70%. It's like 100, almost $120 billion worth of bonds and notes and stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, look at what happened in the UK just recently. Yeah. The Bank of England stepping in creating money and buying bonds mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to stop the mm-hmm. systemic shock and, and a whole other Lehman's Brothers moment. Like, Crazy. by the way, we were really close to that. I don't think people fully grasp how... The, uh, the, the Bank of England doesn't do that unless it has to. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that, oh, totally right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that, we could spend an hour on that. But but, <laughs> um, but, that, but, the, but the point is yeah. just... And I'm not. this is not forecasting. This is just looking around and saying, where are we now? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we are now in a situation where bonds are falling, i.e., Yields are rising very rapidly, regardless of what central banks do. That's just the case because that's what bond markets are doing. And a big part of our funding comes from overseas. By the way, the Aussie dollar has fallen precipitously <laughs> in the last few, uh, what is it, five, six months or so. So mm-hmm. we're not only got to contend with FX uh, issues as well. Yes, you can hedge that, but those hedging um, instruments roll over as well at some point. So my mm-hmm. point is RBA does nothing without going through the full machinations here. Your, your mortgage rate is going up anyway and this and the and the, the central bank probably is factoring in that to some degree yeah not good way to do it let's let's move on mate, a little bit um but staying with the rba for a second the other thing i think we don't talk about a lot and don't need to talk about a lot but is uh, the dollar mm. and and talk about international money markets and and cost and, and funding and that kind of stuff um the reality is that there's no there's no absolute algebraic uh, a plus b must equal c but generally speaking the differential in interest rates drives currency flows and yeah. and or cash flows maybe more, more more generically and those cash flows change currency rates mm-hmm. and so if you think about the us continuing to increase the rates the last increase they had was three quarters of a percent as a quarter that gap is growing uh and probably will continue to grow if the rba continues on its path and the fed on its path that pulls more money out of australia into the us all things being equal which means that people are selling Australian dollars and buying US dollars 
exacerbating the gap between the currencies. Now, that in and of itself is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not great if you want to go overseas, but if you want to go to America, because the Aussie dollar probably is under some pressure, the old downward pressure to use the politician's line. Uh, again, which is interesting, except lower dollar means that imports cost more per unit than they would have at a higher Aussie dollar. That's all right, We're effectively... Sorry? Oh, sorry, go on, go on. Go on. Which, which effectively means we are importing inflation. So there's also that element of, you know, to whatever extent the central bank's impact can influence currency. I think they do. Again, to what degree is an open question. But uh, it's just, again, nothing they necessarily... There's no necessarily so what except that. The, the weaker the RBA is relative to the US Fed, the worse, it, the harder it makes them to fight inflation, not only locally in terms of reducing demand, but the unit price in Australian dollars that comes into the country also ends up being more expensive. And that means our, our inflation fight is even harder. That's cool, because I'm just going to buy a locally made car and uh, <laughs> smartphone. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Apparently I mean, Venezuela tried to make make a, an iPhone replacement, which cost like $30,000 and it wasn't oh, very good. Oh. And I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm, by the way, you've got to be careful what you say because people interpret in different ways. I'm not, I, I actually think there's there's a lot to be said. I, I, I actually think trade is just a beautiful thing. It, I agree. We're all richer by trade. Comparative advantage is one of the great economic uh, uh, phenomena of, of yeah. the world. Yeah, hey, look, you guys are really good at making X. We're really good at making Y. Why don't you focus mm, on that? Mm, we'll mm. focus on this and we'll just trade yep. whatever we yeah, you know, It's totally. a beautiful thing. In fact, yeah. you know, it's just- We grow just wheat, what- you make cars. Great, you'll have more wheat. We'll have cheaper cars. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. And it doesn't have to be a, a national uh, uh, yep. country kind of thing. Just take, yes. a, take a village, you know. You, yes. you work on yes. the horseshoes. I'll work on making the bread. The candlestick maker yeah. will make the candles. You know, it's kind of- You mean I don't have to up. make my own candles. I don't have my own cow and make my own bread and this. You can do some, but I'll do some. But that's a great idea. Let's do that. It's economies of scale. It's specialization. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Specialization is 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 the really the 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 um the what's the word the killer app of, of human society. It's, just, <laughs> it's amazing, and in fact, money at the base of it to, to allow the the transaction of those kinds of things without barter mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. one of the world's best inventions ever. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the wheel and fire get a lot of attention. I put money way up the top of that list. Without money, without a without a solid yeah. form of money, like society just yeah. doesn't function at, at any anything larger than a couple hundred. Not scar exactly. Yeah, you know, just yeah. it just doesn't. You know. So yeah, um, and that that's that's a really good point that you make because mm-hmm. this is, this is. So the RBA, whose mandate is to try and, well, core part of their mandate is to control inflation, mm-hmm. by not raising in, in, in lockstep with the US dollar is kind of inviting a bit more inflation. Yeah. Makes wheels harder, within wheels within wheels. I just, you can't, you yeah. touch one thing and something else over there moves. <laughs> it's, it's this yeah. really weird Rube Goldberg machine that, you know, it's just sort of like, it's all hung together by, by sticky tape and blue tape. <laughs> Uh, it's diabolical. It is absolutely yeah. diabolical. I, I, I frankly do think my my. I say this as an armchair uh, economist, just because it's fun <laughs> to speculate, knowing full well that I'll be wrong. So, mm-hmm. so please don't at me on Twitter. And say, oh, you were wrong because I am, um, without a doubt. But I do think I do think the Fed will pivot pretty hard at some point in the next six to twelve months. Right. And uh, they kind of have to. It, it, yeah. It's kind of a mathematic argument that's there yeah. because the it, they they spend so much more than they earn and they, they kind of mm. Um, mm. borrow the difference kind of thing. Mm. We're getting to the stage now. So after the, after the GFC, we basically nationalized debt um, from the private sector, the public sector. We continue mm. to spend, well, the world's largest economy continued, and, and us, continue to spend well beyond our means. And so the interest bill is pretty significant. <laughs> and you, you get to a point where it's kind of like, actually, you keep raising interest rates. You just, you just, you're just not going to be able to afford the interest bill, let alone servicing the debt. Now you can you can debate how long that goes on for, but mathematically it ends at at, at some point. And I think I think uh, we're getting pretty close to that. So I I, mm. I expect at some stage, and the US, as I say, US markets are absolutely well in bear market territory. They're having their own uh, problems with housing market, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be they'll be forced to to pivot pretty soon. Yeah, and look, I mean, I think they always, they want to too. That's the other thing, right? Like these these rates, hopefully, are higher than would have. Well, we'll get to a point where they're higher than they would normally be. That's the idea of going past neutral. Is you want to kill off inflation, then good, we can go back to, to some sort of normal, not normal as in emergency levels that we we're at six months ago, but normal, normal, mm. maybe two percent, maybe something else, which is you know a healthier 
ongoing rate. So we all hope that's the case. But to your point, there is a there is a race against the clock, and that tightrope is thinning. To mix my metaphors, um, getting getting those both right at the same time is going to be a really really difficult thing. Bring bring up a long term chart of um, uh, official interest rates, Australia and the US. It's been just been on a massive downward trajectory. Yeah. And every time we've gone to increase uh, rates, we've not managed to really be able to do it sustainably before we have to keep lowering it again. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other chart that you need to have on your screen to sort of make sense of that is, is the uh, things like, you know, um, government de- deficit, current account deficit, general debt load. It's kind of, it just becomes harder and harder and harder. Once, once you're on your 10th yeah. credit card, you know, it's like, whew, you really feel, you really feel every, every quarter of a percent interest rate rise. And so, interesting times. Yes, uh, mate. Let's, let's especially investing podcast. Let's get back to that as we as we finish off uh, our chat today, um, because that part, part of well, that was part of the impact or part of the stimulus for what was a remarkable day and a half on the ASX this week. We saw markets on Tuesday and Wednesday, I think it was, up five point three percent. The ASX in a day and a half trading session and a half. Call it eight to nine trading hours. 5.3%. Now, to put that in context, the average market gain over the last 30 years has been 9% per annum. Mm. That includes dividends, which are probably around 35 to 4% of that nine. So effectively, what we saw in day and a half was the entire capital gain of the average ASX year. Now, you said before, Andrew, there is no average year. It doesn't ever do exactly 9%, but <laughs> we hit the average of a whole year, 250 trading days in a day and a half, in nine or so trading hours. A remarkable uh, reality, mate. And I think I wrote an article this week on the base of that called Go Home ASX, You're Drunk, um, which I kind of thought just kind of captured it. And, <laughs> I love the you know, you, you were, Thanks, mate. We've laughed before about, you know, we, when we say volatility, we really mean the market's down. It's kind of almost a euphemism. Yeah. And I had that in mind. So that's why I wrote the article. Was to say, you know what? When the market's down and I say, don't worry, it's just volatility, it happens. People say, oh, you're talking your book. You're a shares guy. You would say that. You know, da 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 All lots of reasons why I could be this horribly conflicted bloke. And, you know, maybe I am subconsciously. But it's why I wrote it when the market was up because up that sort of amount or down that sort of amount is equally stupid in those short periods of time. There was no great... Yes, the RBA halved the expected pace of rate increases. That was it. The US market, by the way, was up as well. So it wasn't just the, uh, the ASX. It was on the back of some gains in the, in the US and, yes, turbocharged by the RBA. But 5.3% in the day, that, that's just blatant stupidity. It is just emotions going nuts. And regular listeners to our, to our show will know exactly that. We'll know we had these conversations about the irrationality and short-term, you know, emotionally driven market action. I just thought it was worth, because we say it, as, as you rightly pointed out in the past, we say it when the market's down. We say, oh, it's volatility. What we really meant is the market's down. Uh, sometimes when the market's up and we say it's volatility, we just mean it's actually volatility. I thought it was just worth worth calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. I mean, you know, just to be the wet blanket. Um, the, <laughs> you? No. <yeah. laughs> the, the, historically, the biggest short-term gains, or so uh, daily gains, um, and I think it extends to weekly gains too. It actually occur during bear markets, just as an interesting factoid. Right, okay. Uh, you, you have these big you say, these big plunges and then there's sort of a bit of a relief rally or what they call a dead cat bounce. And again, that, that means nothing, right? Because it, you, the, the mistake of that observation is there to, to go, oh, just because we went up, we're actually going to go down. No, not, not absolutely not saying that. I want to dispel yeah, that. Yeah. But it is, it, is, it is one of these things, which really just, I guess, all I'm trying to underscore is just like, as you say, the... It's just not important. I mean, who cares? Yeah, you know, yep, yep, yep. we 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 had. If, I've just got a monthly chart up. So back right. in uh, July, yeah, we had a fantastic month, and then we fell away again. Right. <laughs> and that was after a terrible June, you know. <laughs> and now we've just had a really great so far of, of this month. It, it just it's kind of you know it, it's it's the yo-yo and the child walking up the stairs again it's a question of what do those stairs look like <laughs> and are they going up or down <laughs> there is that there is it yeah so look I just, just yeah I probably made the point well and truly enough but I just want to make that point that you know sometimes uh, well mo- more often than not those sort of moves are just silly and and trying to make sense of them past just traders doing tradery things because they got excited or got pessimistic or got over exuberant or got you know irrationally unhappy or whatever those things are um we've said so many times the old quote of you know in the short term the market is a voting machine in the long term it's a weighing machine i think some if uh 
if Ben Graham had written those words today or Buffett had, had quoted him again today, uh, we'd probably be using something around, you know, dopamine or, or I don't know, uh, some, something. But yeah, it's the same kind of idea, right? Is it a voting machine? Yeah. Uh, does it even though reflect popularity? I guess it does if that's an emotional thing. But it's, it's, almost, it's almost more, to my mind anyway, mate, more... Uh, uh, reptilian you know it's, it's, mm. it's, it's monkey brain stuff right so it's not, it's not voting implies I had a thought and I voted yes or no this is like ah I'm scared or hey this is great mm. it's, it, it, is, it is so much more primal I think yeah. uh, than, than even the voting machine analogy implies it'll always be that way too I mean I don't yeah, I, totally. I don't I don't I'm really sanguine about the whole it yeah. kind of has to be you know it's yeah. as I say yeah. a highly just oceans of, of data and opinion yeah. and sentiment yeah. and emotion. Mm-hmm. And every day, you know, a small subset yeah. of people who own assets get together and swap them. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Now, what would, it, yeah. what would it look like yeah. uh, if it was – I mean, it had, it, the reason it looks the way it looks is because, because mm. it, how else could it look? I mean, mm. it would be really abnormal, take counterfactual. If mm. markets purely follow the exact and true fundamentals – of the aggregate um, businesses listed on the exchange, it'd be a very smooth and steady ride. We don't see it. <laughs> and we never will. We never have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just how it is. And, yeah. and as I say, people always look, complain about it as if it's a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing mm-hmm. because I get the opportunity to, if, as long as I can be rational about things, mm-hmm. I get the opportunity <laughs> to take advantage of that. When the, when the market yeah. falls out of bed for whatever yeah. reason, you know, a lot of a lot of babies get thrown out with that bathwater. Um, I'll snatch yeah, them up. Absolutely true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and you, you know, should. and, and you then should. I'll just I'll just wait. At some point in the future, it'll ch- again. This is not timing bottoms and tops or anything, but at some yeah. point, some point that'll change, and then yeah. and then I'll look to do the opposite. You know, it's just it's it's just understand it for what it is. Mm-hmm. It will always be so. Use it to your advantage. Yeah. Um, Something just really random to finish the podcast off, mate. Uh, I just saw a tweet, literally. So we're recording this on Thursday morning, as we all d- always do. Uh, back in, uh, I've got the numbers here. On the 1st of January, 2016, the shares of Whitehaven Coal changed hands for 36 cents each. Today, they are trading for $10.27. And I don't really have a so what, other than uh, most people, very few people would have predicted that. And for reasons that are very reasonable, because no one predicted the last 12 months of inflation and energy prices and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but whether it's coal, whether it's commodities, whether it's ESG, whether it's whatever, I'm not a Whitehaven Coal shareholder. I don't think I'd ever be a Whitehaven Coal shareholder. If I owned shares now, I'd be selling them, by the way, not because I know that we're at the top, just because it seems um, <laughs> it seems uh, unsustainably high, even given the bull case we made for coal before on the show, mate, about you know limited amounts of new supply and whatever. Uh, I said 36 cents back in 2016. If we fast forward to 2020, literally two years and two months ago, shares were 93 cents. That's a 10x in, uh, in, in two, two years and two months. Uh, you know, again, I, I, no one foresaw it. Um, those who claim they did were probably, frankly, lucky rather than right. Um, sometimes they're indistinguishable. As they say in investing, you're better to be lucky than smart, which I quite like. I think it's exactly the right <laughs> sentiment uh, and a reminder that we all should be humble. Uh, just a remark. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, mate. I just, I just, I saw the tweet and I just thought, man, that that's. I thought it was expensive at five. I thought it was expensive at six, seven, and eight, and nine. Now over ten dollars, up five percent this morning. Uh, a remarkable, remarkable run for one. Yeah, day. it's 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 been it's been impressive. I mean, I think this is this kind of. I don't know the business well enough, but but mm. it all makes sense. I can I can give you a perfect um, narrative as to why that happens. I actually think it's a pretty accurate one. I mean, well, just fundamentally, just making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You could probably, and in fact, I know there are some people who have said it. It's like, well, you know, it's not even an environmental argument. It's like whatever transition mm-hmm. occurs at whatever speed it kind of occurs, there's still going to be some use for this and they're producing yeah, mine. Yeah. There's going to be a demand. They're going to sell it. And they're going to make money out of it. There's a certain mm-hmm. cost of production. You kind of draw a line and it sort of makes sense. And so for the longest time, it was sort of like, this is, I, you know, I get all the ESG stuff, but it just, mm. it's just, it's cheap, it's stupid cheap, but it just stayed stupid cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is the hard thing about investing, right? And then the, then the pendulum swung and then everyone went, ah. <laughs> and then they posted these insanely great results for FY22. Mm. And now everyone's running for that particular door. And at some point, the super profits will stop, and then everyone will go ah, oh, and then everyone will sprint for the exit again. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy, but uh, um, I think just a heck of a journey, hey? Oh, what a journey! What My an incredible goodness. journey! It, it, this is 
un- unfortunately, you've you being 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 early is a very lonely affair, and yeah, it really, and is. it is a very very emotionally taxing affair. But yes, but you know, it's kind of if you if you want the outsized profits, that's kind of where you've got to be on your own. You you're you're the, yeah. you're the person over there who everyone thinks is an idiot. Um, because by well, the time- I would say you've also got to be right. <laughs> you got to be right. You got to be right. But 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 it's but it but it's it's also. I mean, if you wait until everyone else sees what you see, yeah. Well, everyone sure. sees it, and it's in the price. It's kind of. It, it, it's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's kind of like you can't. Good luck. Yeah, you yeah. don't get the super profits by yeah. by by waiting for everyone else to to agree with you. You've got to be first in line, and and by being first in line, you sort of you are against consensus. It just it is yeah. it is always it is always the way, and, and always will be. As you say, it's wrong to therefore extend that to therefore. Well, no one thinks mm-hmm. no one thinks that this hyper speculative um, you know biotech company is good, but I'm going to buy it, and therefore I'll be early. Yeah, no, 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 right. no, 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 no. I'm going to buy all the crap no one else likes. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. there's a reason that's there rubbish, might be a reason. You've got you still got to yeah, be right. Yeah, you've still yeah. got to be right. But mm-hmm. but I'm just sort of saying that you know don't I, I I hear it all the time. It's just like oh, I really like this. I'm just I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna wait for this. So I'm gonna wait for that. And it's like well okay do that. But then it's just that your, your reward is mediocrity. And I don't know. You kind of no no guts no glory is <laughs> is probably one way to say it. And that's probably a wonderful way to finish the podcast. Mate, will you join me on Sunday? Yeah, looking forward to it. You'll join me, Scott Phillips, and him, Andrew. No guts, no glory, Paige. <laughs> uh, next Sunday, or this Sunday, for our mailbag. Until then, fall on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.